What's the old line when you hear a commercial for stockbrokers? It's past performance is not indicative of future performance, all that stuff. But what can history actually tell us about the 2023 version of the Green Bay Packers, both their present and their future? Maybe, especially with this offense, more than you think. Plus, we've talked about the luck problem the Packers offense had last year. It actually goes a lot deeper than I realized. And this offense may be better in 2023 just merely by being. We're going to talk about why on today's show. Caught by Watson. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast now. And he will score. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up today to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash on. So... I think some of the worst, some of the truly worst football analysis out there comes from the fantasy football community. Some of the worst football analysis comes from the fantasy football community. Some of the worst analysis of football comes from the fantasy football community. Have I have I made my point on this? <laughs> but, but some of the best Football analysis comes from the fantasy football community. They have done a remarkable job as a group. Individually, there's some really bad stuff. And I think on Twitter especially, like someone was comparing LaVisca Chenault's first couple seasons to Devontae Adams. And it's just like, can we please, for the love of all things holy, not do this? This is beyond stupid. But. What the fantasy community has become really good at is charting trends, looking for projectability. How can you take a player and say, okay, what tells me what his production is going to be moving forward? How do I identify when a player is going to take a jump? All of these things. And they've actually done a very good job in the draft, pushing our understanding forward. They've they've done a lot of things analytically pushing our understanding of the way we measure and quantify football forward. I I don't actually want to totally take a dump on the fantasy football community because, again, they do a lot of really interesting analysis. For example, over at Underdog, it's it's a new way to play fantasy. They do some really cool Things I think Josh Norris, who's been on the show, Hayden Winks, who's been, I I think Hayden has been on the show. If he hasn't, I I fully intended to have him on the show. It's a, it is a different way of approaching the game that is, that is marrying the tape with the analytics. And I think that is the way to do it. So maybe what I really mean is there's just a lot of bad football analysis out there, which is true. 
But there was a really cool piece in Fantasy Points recently. Ryan Heath put it together. And what he found was, or he basically went through a litany. And I did a similar thing when we went through the NFL draft over at The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, of sort of the draft commandments. These are, these are things that you can set your watch to, basically. Things like weight-adjusted three-cone for defensive ends, for example, or um, market share for receivers, these things. And by the way, things like dominator rating came out of the fantasy community. It is a metric that I swear by. And there are three things in this analysis that I think is vital for this Packers team and where this Packers team is going. At the top of the list is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones in year seven. Year seven is historically when things fall off a cliff at the running back position. Alvin Kamara fell off a cliff two years ago. Dalvin Cook fell off the cliff last year. These are guys in the same range as Aaron Jones. You are an all pro running back one day. A year later, you are fighting to be on a team. Dalvin Cook, currently unemployed. The Vikings, a team that just won 13 games, that was just in the playoffs. Dalvin Cook was a perennial Pro Bowl talent, thousand yard rusher. And they said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. You're not worth the money we're paying you. Aaron Jones had to take a pay cut to stay in Green Bay. Now, part of that is because of the way they structured the deal. That was kind of always meant to be the situation that they were going to be in. I think you can make the case in Aaron Jones' career that because he's been in a timeshare his whole career, unlike Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook has been in a timeshare, but that's like a that's like a 70-30 kind of thing. An 80-20 kind of thing. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I mean, this was the guy that was, it was free Aaron Jones was the rallying cry for the Green Bay Packer fan for how many years in Green Bay? Even with Matt LaFleur at times in the last two or three years, it has been the, hey, can Aaron Jones get some more touches? He doesn't have the same sort of tread on his tires. And even with that, you go back and Mike McCarthy, the excuses that he made for not playing Aaron Jones more were around durability about saying, look, he's a 215 pound running back. We need to protect those guys. Well, now everyone has 215 pound running backs, but they've got three guys that they believe in. And so you can give Aaron Jones 15 carries and not worry about it. I think in a way, this new approach to running backs is going to prolong careers. Unfortunately, it is not going to necessarily enhance their earning potential because you're not going to see the top of market deals, the Le'Veon Bell free agent deals to New York. That stuff is just not out there. So I don't think Aaron Jones is going to fall off a cliff. But if you're the Packers, you're looking at this going... All right, if he's good this year, great. And you can you can stay with it for as long as that happens. But if he showed signs of wear and tear this year, there is there is a, a possibility that this just... <whistles> soon. And that brings me no joy to report, guys. I love Aaron Jones. I, I hope he plays for 10 more years. Odds are against it. This is These are historical trends. And so trends are made to be broken, right? We, you know, we understand these evolve and they grow and they change all that stuff. And just because these trends exist does not mean that the players will necessarily follow them. That's the first one. 
The second one that I want to talk about is receivers have a long prime and it's years two through nine. So you can make that year two jump. And that's a great thing because the year two leap is very reliable. Um, and, you know, you, ha- you have what, what Ryan found was there is this regression in year six through nine at receiver. But year two or year three is when the breakout happens. And then you get that two through six, really peak of your powers kind of season, some slow takeaways into seven and eight. I think that that's relevant to Al Lazard. That's relevant. Of course, we know Randall Cobb has been in the league since 2014. So we're well past that point with him. But, you know, Al Lazard has been in the league long enough now that he might start to regress. And if he starts to regress physically, you know, his physicality is his is his calling card. The speed has always been the question. He's going into year six here. And so will you start to see the age there? Does he lose a step? And does it make it all the all the more prudent that the Packers said, mm, you know, we're we're okay on this? Now, I have more to say on the other two. Or I want to continue this conversation about receiver. I'm going to do it in just a second. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. I just added to my 2023 Packers shares with Jordan Love. I had uh, I had a, a bonus that I got for, I opted in. FanDuel also has these great bonuses. Hey, if you put in $10 um, and bet on this thing today and you don't hit it, we'll give you the $10 back. Like, that's great. Free bets. Again, that's like a no sweat first bet, basically, but it's not your first bet. And I put money on the Jordan Love over passing yards because it's a preposterously low number. If it has a three in front of it, I'm good. Whatever the number is now, I don't remember exactly what the number I I put it on. It was like 3370 or something crazy low. He's gonna if he starts 15, 16 games, even, he's gonna get that number. So go to fandle.com slash locked on today to sign up and get that no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And thanks to everyone who makes locked on Packers their first listen every day. Every dayers this week on the show, Jordan Rodrigue. From the Athletic to talk about her upcoming documentary series um, that features Matt LaFleur and others from the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree. And then we have a, a rookie orientation with Carl Brooks, not actually with Carl Brooks, um, but about Carl Brooks coming up later this week as well. All of that um, will be will be here for you in your podcast feed. So the reason I, I wanted to bring up that receiver bit is you have that year two jump. And rookie season, yard per route run data is extremely predictive. Now, this is predictive for fantasy success, but that's productivity. 
I understand, you know, touchdowns, but catches yards, touchdowns, usually catches yards, touchdowns, makes a good receiver. And last year, this rookie class was awesome. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Drake London, Trellen Burks. Christian Watson, second half of the season was like top 10, top five kind of yard per route run player. If you look at Christian Watson, you know, he's in the same range as like Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. Um, and that is that like yards per route run. He was, you know, ahead of some really good players, guys like Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. And not that he's going to, you know, be those players, but over the years, this has been a predictive metric. And year two is when you get those breakouts. I, I made the case that Christian Watson already broke out, but I think you look at this and you go, okay, being really good as a rookie is really predictive moving forward. Doesn't mean if you're bad as a rookie, you're going to be bad. But if you're good as a rookie, it's unlikely that you will grow into, you know, a worse player. That just seems intuitive, right? So it's not to say, okay, Romeo Dobbs, you didn't do anything, you know, that that great from a productivity standpoint, yards per route run standpoint. So you're going to be bad. No, no. It's more um, a marker of inclusion, so guys who are really good tend to be really good. Now, if you're if you're really bad, like that's also problematic. And if you look at some of the Romeo Dobbs numbers, and we talked about this with Dusty Evely, some of the underlying Romeo Dobbs numbers are really not good. And I think there's a lot to be excited about there. The Packers are clearly excited about it. He's he seems to have made that jump. Receivers sometimes take one year, two years, even, and then it's that year three jump, the Jordy Nelson that gets you there. How much is quarterback play going to play into all of this? We'll see. Now, tight end was a fascinating one because we know tight ends take time. But this is this is a line from this piece from, from Fantasy Points. A sophomore tight end breakout is among the most powerful and reliable laws of fantasy. Again, fantasy. But fantasy really is, is in a lot of ways, just code for productivity. Productivity doesn't always mean a really good player, but productivity is good generally. So year two, so Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave next year. Why bring this up now? Well, the answer is because much like yards per route run for receivers is a predictive metric as a rookie, it is for tight ends as well. If you are a good athlete, they use spark score, but if you're a good athlete and you have a good yards per route run as a rookie, that bodes very well for you moving forward. Luke Musgrave, 71st percentile spark athlete. This is a composite metric, so it's it's how well do you move for your size. Tucker Craft in the 80th, 85th, 84th percentile, excuse me, for spark score. These guys are upper quartile athletes. So now you have to go out and be more than just catch the ball over the middle of the field. You have to be doing more than just running stick. You have to be more than just running those play action slide routes. 
It has to be more than that. You have to be able to threaten teams vertically, generally speaking, in the modern NFL to be a good tight end. There is not a really good tight end in the league who's just like turn around in 10 yards and catch the ball every time. Heath Miller was a really valuable player in Pittsburgh for a long time, but his inability to stretch and create big plays was a big problem. We're going to talk about the big play problem the Packers have at the end of the show. But so this, this tight end ability, we're going to learn, even though they're not going to be what they are as rookies, very, very rarely do you come in and light the world on fire as a rookie. But Luke Musgrave is going to play a bunch of snaps. Tucker Craft is going to play a bunch of snaps. Can they create down the field? If you can, that bodes really well for your future development because they already have the baseline athleticism that says if you have these two things, chances are history says you will be good. They have one of those two things. Now they have to go out and do and prove that second thing. That, that is going to take some doing, of course. You have to go out and do it. But I think, as I've said before, I think this roster is set up to do it because they're going to get a ton of opportunities. And this offense is set up to do it because so much of the shot plays that they have are created to, for example, you run leak, you have the tight end in space. Should be wide open. You have a lot of these double moves. George Kittle in, in San Francisco kills on double moves, not just because he's a good route runner, but because the designs are so great and he is such a good athlete that he's just open. Like he's not some hyper-technical route runner. You know, Travis Kelsey, I think, is a much better route runner in a vacuum than than George Kittle. George Kittle, a better blocker, a better run after the catch guy, all that stuff. But he doesn't need to just go out and beat man coverage. That's not really what he does. He can, but he, it's not really what he does. Not that Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft is going to be George Kittle, but the idea is the offense can do a lot of the work. And especially in an offense like this, be really athletic, create big plays. That is what they're going to ask this tight end class to do. And if they can do it, even in small samples, that is going to bode really well for their development moving forward. All right, I want to talk about this luck, bad luck problem. And some of the issues the Packers offense had and why I think it is going to change just because, just because today's episode is one of the only episodes this week that's not going to be an interview. We have two interviews set. I want to have a summer Friday interview as well. So be sure to check out all of that. Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic. I cannot wait for that conversation. Plus our rookie orientation on Carl Brooks is coming up. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Every day, or just go check out The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. We've got great stuff coming as training camp approaches. We're doing our roster countdown, all of that good stuff. Um, and Locked On Sports today is a podcast I would love for you to subscribe to. It is all the big stories in sports brought to you in bite-sized chunks. Under 20 minutes, just get all the big stories. Our local experts, we have the best network of local experts. They're going to give you everything you need to know to get up to speed on all things sports every single day. So there is this weird trend last year of productivity that doesn't translate into points. 
And for example, the Packers had Warren Sharp put out this stat that the Packers were the third best team last year avoiding third downs. Avoiding third downs is really good. Like Kansas City, Buffalo, the top two teams at avoiding third downs. Green Bay is third. Cincinnati was fifth. The Eagles were seventh. The 49ers were eighth. It's really good to not be in third down situations. But they had to constantly be in drive mode because they were not creating explosives. Part of this, as we've talked about, is the red zone offense. So the Packers were a middling success rate team in that like 17 rate team. They were a middling team in the red zone overall. But their success rate was was also middling. So they moved the ball fine in the red zone from the 20 to the goal line. Which is really a way of saying they moved the ball really, really well from the 20 to the 10. Because they were the worst team by DVOA inside the 10. Goal to go situations, they were catastrophically bad. Catastrophically bad. In fact, it's the worst number since 2021. Or 2020, excuse me. They were minus 60 percent value adjusted over average only four teams were worth in 30 percent and Denver was second worst at 46 and a half so it wasn't even close they were the worst goal to go offense in the league that is weird if you can move the ball in the red zone on a middling level that means you're doing it really well between the 20 and the 10 it doesn't make sense that between the 10 and the zero you can't move the ball it's just a, it's just noise. It's just statistical weirdness. More statistical weirdness that is born out here. I looked at yards per drive and points per drive. It's almost one-to-one. For those of you looking at this on YouTube, of the top 10 teams, it's better visually, but I'll explain it. Of the top 10 teams in yards per drive and points per drive, only two teams ranked more than two places different. So the Kansas City Chiefs, number one in yards per drive and points per drive. The Bills, number two in yards per drive and points per drive. The Lions, number three in yards per drive, four in points per drive. The Eagles were the inverse. Cincinnati, five and five. The 49ers, seven and seven. The Jaguars, eight in yards per drive, 10th in points per drive. Vegas, the inverse. If you, if you get a lot of yards per drive, you're a good offense and you tend to score. But the Packers were ninth in yards per drive and 14th in points per drive. And that's not a huge difference. But over the course of eight drives, if you have 0.3 points that you're losing over eight drives, now you're talking about Almost a field goal. Not quite, but almost. Over two points that you're missing out on. That's a big difference. That could be the difference of winning and losing a game or the difference between needing a touchdown and a field goal to win. A five-point game something becomes a three-point game. Two and a half, and you get the math. It was a weird season. A lot of it just comes down to luck. But a lot of it also comes down to 
big plays. We've talked about this in the past. Those are actually related. The Packers last year were kind of like Julio Jones. They could create a lot of yards, but not score. Julio Jones, and this is, goes back to fantasy. fantasy. Fantasy players, if you ever owned Julio Jones in fantasy, he would, he would have 12 catches for 160 yards and not score. And you're just like, how do you not score? How do you not score? Calvin Johnson would do this too. He'd have eight catches for 185 yards and not score. And you're just like, how? How? Statistically, probability says you should be scoring more. You're going to create all those yards, all that catch. You're going to, you know, you're going to average 20 yards a catch and can't score. And this is borne out by the Packers as well in this disparity between success rate and EPA. I don't, I've already bored you with too many statistics, but suffice it to say, the Packers had a very good success rate and a, a statistically different, worse EPA per play. And the reason is they didn't score enough. So they'd have 20, a 25-yard play. That's an explosive play. They wouldn't score. That's just, a lot of that is just luck. If you do it enough, if you create enough of those yards, you should just like luck into a guy slips here. You break a tackle there. You're able to get a penalty that, you know, gets you down to the one yard line and you have three chances to punch it in. Like statistically speaking, the Packers often should have just been better by luck. All of these stats are blaring at us, blaring at us to say this offense, if Jordan Love can operate it only as well as it was operated last year, this offense scoring wise will be better, materially better, probably two to three points per game better just by just by hitting your baselines. That is a meaningful difference in this team. They're going to regress back to the mean, which in this case means get better. And it is why I've made the case over and over, introduce variance. Go for those shot plays because the more of those shot plays you hit, the more opportunities you're giving yourself to score in those moments and not have to matriculate the ball down the field. Because if you have to go eight plays, 80 yards every time or 12 plays, 80 yards, it becomes a lot harder because now you are leaving yourself up to the variance gods. And that is not a place you want to be. All right, a lot of math in that episode. A lot less math coming up the rest of this week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, when we go live on YouTube, go subscribe. We're Locked on Packers feed on YouTube so you can stay Locked on Packers.